Thank you for joining us here at C3 Edinburgh. We are all about authentic community, unlocked creativity, and the naturally supernatural life in Jesus' name. We are praying that this message will bless you and meet you right where you're at today. For more information about C3 Edinburgh, check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com. We're doing our series in Him, um, and let's read the Bible. Uh, we, we've, we've done a couple of um, in Him um, moments. We've done in Him we are justified, in Him we are a new creation, and I've got another one today. I'm thrilled to share in Him, and I need you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Would you do that? Let's all turn. In fact, you know what? Does everyone have a device here today? Yeah? You've all got um, coverage. You've all got 3G or 4G, or there's Wi-Fi free given to us by Surgeons Hall. That's fantastic. You're going to need that. But turn with me to 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 20 to 22. It's going to come on the screen behind me as well, but let's all, let's all get engaged today with the Word of God uh, and move together with this. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are Yes, in Christ. Oh, that's good. I better move on. But, but hold that, hold that. They, for, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Our pro- the promises are yes, we say amen, and it gives God some glory. Someone say amen. Let's do that. Now... It is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Wait, okay, we've got two in Christ. In Christ, we can stand firm. He anointed us, He set us, He set His seal of ownership on us, and He put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. <sighs> Father God, we want to hear from you, we want to understand, we want to go somewhere uh, and be more, more established, more more passionate. We want to know more about you by the end of this message, God. Open up your word to us in Jesus' name. Help me to preach it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we like being creative. Like the song, incredible, you know, and, and, and we just love it. That's a part of who we are. Check out what we try and do at C3 Edinburgh, that Instagram feed. Anyone checked out the Instagram feed? That, um, that's curated by well, there's a couple of people who contribute, but that's curated by Lisa, Pastor Lisa. Um, she'd hate me to tell you this, but she's in kids' church. Um, she got contacted this week by um, a graphic designer in Australia, a friend of hers, but a professional, who said, who does your Instagram feed? Who is doing that? And she said, oh, uh, why? Am I in trouble? I mean, it's me. And she said, it is amazing. I showed it to my director. Um, and he was amazed by it. You should get a side hustle on, girl. You should, you should get, be in business for this. You are good at that thing. And she's like, really? The why behind what's this, the hours that she spends curating an Instagram feed is because we're a creative church. We do creativity. You do creativity. We do creativity. We're going to build this church, and it's going to be creative. I don't want to start preaching about creativity. I'm just trying to lead us into something we're going to do a little bit different in summer vibes right now. I need your device. Because here's the thing. What I just read, that passage... There's two in hymns, isn't there? And I don't know which one to preach. So I've written two. 
messages. And both of them, I believe, are a word in season for our church. Both of them, none of them, I haven't flippantly put it together. We don't do messages just so let's just do one, who cares? Every, every message we do is prayerfully designed. But uh, I've written two. Couldn't do this every week. It was a lot of work, but I've written two because there are two in him. So you remember one in him is in him, uh, the promises of God are yes and amen. And also in him, we both, uh, you, you and I stand firm in Christ. Um, and so I want to put it to us and I want us to do something kind of creative and let's check it out. On your device, and there's a screen I hope that might be ready to show, what I need you to do is I need you to go open Safari or open whatever your thing is, I need you to go to www.slido.com. And when you get to that page, you'll see this screen, and there's an event code that you need. The event code that you need is hashtag, it's already there, in him. And what I'd like to propose that we do today is we want to go through the Word of God together, we want to go somewhere together, we want to hear from the Lord together, but let's collaborate so right there, if you've made it, has everyone made it? Is everyone having, anyone having any, any, any things? What I'd like you to do is right there in front of you, you should have a poll. Do you have a poll sitting right there? So you can ask questions and there are some polls. Um, I don't, probably won't have time to go do some Q&A today, but I'd love to open it up to questions as we go anyway. And I'd like to think that maybe, just maybe, who knows? Let's be creative today. Maybe... I'll collect these and in our last message of the series, we can do a Q&A, we can just, we can talk together. Um, but the poll today, I've got a poll right now, what I need you to do is, I need you to help me. Would you please, in your world, what are you hungry most to hear about from the Word of God? Are you here hungry most to hear about in your world that every promise is yes and amen, or are you hungry to hear how to stand firm, that you can stand firm in Christ? I have two messages and I only have time to do one and I need your help. I'm hearing, I'm seeing, are you seeing this too, everybody? Stand firm in Christ? Shall we preach that? How do we stand firm in Christ? That's exciting. So, now I'm going to preach that. I've got all these messages. I'm going to skip all these pages because that's the other one. We're going to preach on stand firm in Christ. Now, how check this out. A new one's just come up. What I'd like you to do um, now is I want you to add to the story. Um, as, I, as we preach, as we unpack the Word of God, how to stand firm in Christ, I'm inviting you. This is going to be cognitively heavy for you because you want to listen to the Word. You want to take notes as you go. You might want to ask some questions in that little forum. You can do that too. But I want us to have a conversation. And the conversation I thought we might have as a church is, is what is it that resounding, what resounds in your heart? What's resounding to you in this journey of this message? The trouble is it's better if it's a single word. Because at the end of this, what, what your input will do is create one of those word clouds. Anyone done those things where a word cloud comes up and it, 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 the bigger the word on the screen, the more, you know what I mean? So what I want to challenge us to do is why don't we collaborate in this message and let's create a word cloud on what's resounding in our hearts from the word of God. Um, I haven't told poor Audrey up the back the login details to put this on the screen because she's got enough going on. So what I'm going to do is, I don't know if you'll see the word cloud develop, but I certainly will, um, and I can show you after. Or what I propose that I'll do is I'm going to post it on social media. Unless it's lame or you put swear words in there, so don't do that. Are you ready to hear? 
don't. Are you ready? Who wants, so, so I don't even know, ask who wants to. We're going to preach the Word of God, um, standing firm in Christ. In Christ, you can stand firm. Are you ready? Is this all right? This is, people don't usually do this in church. We're just doing it. Okay, here we go. So, um, John 16.33, I need you to turn to. John 16.33. We're talking about, in Him we can stand firm. In Him we can stand firm. In Him we can stand firm. And in John 16.33, it says this. I have told you these things. This is Jesus telling his disciples a whole bunch of stuff that's about to happen. Jesus is about to face the cross, and, and, and his disciples are asking him questions, and he's just told them, man, you're going to go through some tough times. People are going to think they're doing God a favor by taking you to court or hurting you or killing you or arresting you. It's going to be a tough time ahead, just so you know. But I'm going to come through in the end. And then he stops and he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Because in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I've got news for you. That wasn't just for the first century disciples. That expands to you and I. So I'm going to start with a little bit of tricky news. And you might know it, you probably know it, but, but maybe you don't know it, know it. Maybe you don't Walk in the okayness of the fact that in this life you will have trouble. Church, in this life you will have trouble. Why? Because of your own brokenness. And sometimes that will cause scenes in your life. That own brokenness that God is dealing with, He'll deal with and He's dealing with and in His mercy, but you'll still make a mess. So in these days you will have trouble. You'll also have trouble because of the brokenness of others. Sometimes other people's brokenness causes a mess in other, other people. And, and, and you see that all over the news and all of the time. Brokenness causes messes in people's lives, and you will have trouble because of it. You'll have trouble not even because of brokenness in your world or in other worlds. You'll have trouble because of the inconveniences of life. Anyone been inconvenienced? <laughs> Some people shoot their hands up really quick. Anyone been, uh, have trouble because of timelines and pressures to meet deadlines? Troubles because of growing pains or lessons that you're learning? Uh, troubles because of bad moods or wet weather? It's looking good today. But tr trouble because flat tires happen in your car or, or you drop your phone and it breaks or, or, or your milk is empty when you need that coffee? Like you, life can sometimes be troublesome. You'll have troubles because there's an enemy in the world. We don't often talk about it. But there's an enemy in the world. The Bible calls him the accuser. The Bible calls him the deceiver. The Bible calls him the father of lies, the devil. And, 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 and you don't, we don't pay much attention and we don't need to because Jesus is on the throne. In G, in, 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 amen. But there is an enemy Jesus talks about, the Bible talks about, who actively seeks to do you harm. It's just what he, it's what he does. It's nothing personal. He's after your dad. Like, he wants, to, if he can hurt your father in heaven, who he can't, what he can do is he can take it out on you because he knows how much his father loves you. So he'll, he'll come at you. He's trying to get at your dad, and he'll come at you. And some believe that Jesus, by receiving Jesus in their life, some have believed that as they do that, they'll come out of days of trouble. My troubles are behind me. I've received Jesus. And in a, in a way, that's true. 
In a way, that's really true because as you receive Jesus and you, you enter, as you receive Jesus in your life, the trouble of sin is broken and, 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 the, and, the, and the trouble of guilt and shame is behind you. The trouble of lostness, hopelessness can be behind you because, because you have a source. You have, you have Jesus. He's done a great work on the cross for you. It's all resolved in Jesus. There is a, a, a departing and escape of trouble. But in another way, Jesus is at pains to say that by following him, you will have trouble. All of the other troubles aside, if you thought that maybe, maybe a life in Jesus was, was the easy way, uh, the gentle way, the, 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 the out of troubles sight way, Jesus wants to tell you that unfortunately that's not the case. There will be trouble specifically because you follow him. This is why he says you've got to count the cost. He says, count the cost. Don't, don't just say, yeah, yeah, cool, Jesus, woo. You got, you're like, count the cost because it will come with a cost. As a Christian, you need to get used to the fact that not only does an enemy exist who wants to take you out all the more because you carry the name of the, his son, the Son of God, but because totally aside from that, Jesus puts uh, demands on you that are impossible to meet. He says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, all that kind of stuff, but I say to you, if you don't forgive, your Father in heaven isn't forgiving you. So you can't even just say, oh, I forgive you and secretly hold it because the thing that Jesus does when he comes, he says, all of that law stuff that you do on the outside, I'm making an inside heart thing now. And you can fake it when you just go through the rhythms, can't you? But in Christ, in the relationship with him, he's not interested in all of this. He's interested in all of this. So his thing starts to say, forgive, but you've got to forgive from the heart. And you go, well, how can I? That's impossible. That person, they did a horrible thing. He says, you know what, love your neighbour as yourself. And you say, well, I really like myself. I don't, if I love them like myself, I'm going to be put inconvenienced all the time. No, you've got to love them just as much as yourself. In fact, he says, die to yourself. He says, he says, he says live as a servant to everybody else. And we certainly don't like that in, our West, in the West, do we? We, when we're, we don't like that. People can serve me, that's okay, I'll go business class if someone, pay, you know, but I don't want to serve others. Deny your preferences. In fact, Jesus says, you can't follow me unless you want to take up your cross, this implement of death, and to pick it up every day and follow me. You're not worthy of me. Every attitude, every day. In this day, you'll have troubles. These are actually, and Jesus knows it, he's not being, he's not being silly. He knows that these are impossible impossible to do, which is why he says, all these things are impossible with God, anything's possible. I'll give you the grace. The grace, stuff that you can't do, I'll give you the grace to achieve. Still happy you chose this message? Because the other one might have been a whole bunch lighter. It wasn't actually. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, because, because he didn't just leave it there. This is what I love. In this world you'll have trouble. All right, let's go. That's a sad way for Jesus to end a sentence, but he didn't. He said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Church, this is what we need to understand, that in this world there'll be trouble, but take heart. 
because your feet live in a victorious position. You don't live in trouble land. In Jesus' name, you live in, from the victorious position. In Christ, your natural habitat is the victorious position. For every trouble, the Lord would say, there's a grace for that. For every forgiveness that you can't do, there's a grace for that. For every impossible thing, live for others. Take up your cross. I can't. I'm me. I can't. It's okay. There's a grace for that. You live in a victorious position. And that's the reason why Christians in the early church, all of those guys, except for reportedly two of those people who were sitting in that circle when Jesus said, in this day you'll have trouble, at least ten of them uh, died a violent death because they wouldn't refuse Jesus. How could they do that? Because they knew they lived in a victorious position already. They weren't failed. They're already victorious. That's why many more people, the stats say, are dying for Jesus today. They can walk there and they can do it because they're not living a broken victimness. They're living from victory. They know what's going to happen. They know it's okay. In this world, I'll have trouble, but I take heart because he's already overcome. It's a reason why I can confidently, uh, I'm not really yelling, am I? I'm, I can confidently project from this pulpit every week that you are going to make it through the things you are going through. You're going to make it through. You can do that in Christ. Why can I say that and not feel like a hypocrite or not feel like I'm lying or not feel like it's meaningless, positive self-talk? It's because your natural habitat by default in Christ is a victorious position. I just know it's true. It's the Word of God. In Christ, you have an ability on the inside of you. There's a grace for that inside of you to see the impossible through. Here's your job. Can I tell you your job? Just, just in case you think you just sit there passively, it's, you don't. You're going to see it through, my friend. You're going to see it through. Whatever it is, you're going to see it through, but you have to stand firm. You have to stand firm. I want to show you a little bit more about that. I want to show you this morning about your victorious position that you might not realize that you're in because it's hard to stand firm if you don't understand that that's where you stand. If you think that you stand in the, in, in, in the land of the victim, if you think that you stand in the land of the broken, then when you're asked to stand firm, you have nothing to lean on. But once you understand, once you understand that you live from a victorious position, regardless of the troubles, you're going to find yourself being able to stand firm against everything. But I need to show you something. Would it be okay? Turn to uh, 2 Kings 6, 14 to 17. This is a story of Elisha, uh, versus this guy called the king of Aram. And the king of Aram doesn't like this prophet because he's saying stuff. And, and uh, so what he does is, is the king, with all of his resources, secretly circles um, Elisha during the nighttime with chariots and army. And, 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 and it's against Elisha and Elisha's friend, Elisha's um, servant. And so there's two of them in a little house in a bothy, surrounded by, um, surrounded by an army. And this is where we take it up. Verse 14, did I say? 6, 14 to 17. He says, Then he, who, by the way, the he is the king of Aram, he sent horses and chariots and a strong force to where Elisha was. They went in by night and they surrounded the city. 
And when the servant of the man of God, that's Elisha is the man of God, as I've just unpacked, as when he got, he got up and he went out early in the next morning, you can imagine the sunrise and he stretches it out and it's a beautiful morning and he goes to put the coffee on, he turns on the machine, he's getting ready, he opens the curtain. When he goes the next morning, he looks out and he sees the horses and the chariots surrounding the city. It's gone from a lovely morning to a horrible morning. <gasps> oh no, my Lord, he says to Elisha. What shall we do? We're surrounded, the servant asks. What are we going to do? This to, what are we going to do? Elisha says, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. We live from a victorious position. The prophet answered. He didn't say that part. You can read it. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, that's a weird thing to say. It's objectively a weird thing to say in the natural because, because Elisha and his mate are standing in together. There's two of them. Not, neither of them, as far as I have read, are military trained uh, and are super ninjas, um, uh, Power Rangers. Like, there's, no, there's nothing going on with these two. Power Rangers reference, anyone? No? So, surrounding them is an army of military trained people. Even, even six of them, they're outnumbered. Even four, probably two on two, they're in trouble. But with an army of chariots, they're in a lot of trouble. So what a crazy thing to say, what a meaningless, um, positive self-talk, uh, shallow thing to say, you'd think, for him to say, no, 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 don't be scared. That was my Australianism. No, 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 don't be afraid. The more are with us than are with them. Then he prayed. He said, open his eyes, Lord, so that he can see. And then the Lord opened his servant's eyes, and he looked around the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, what Elisha understood was he was living from a victorious position. He knew that the Lord his God was well able, was well equipped Imagine Elisha getting up and turning on the coffee machine and he opens up the curtain and he looks out and he sees this army and he sniffs and he turns, you know, gets this flat white prepared because, uh, because he sees the sky with angels everywhere. And to put that in perspective, by the way, if I just put the perspective of, of, of an Elisha and an untrained servant versus an army, put into perspective that one angel in the book of Exodus uh, takes out armies, takes out whoever they want, one so if he's looking in the sky and he's seeing an army of angelic forces and all of the things, they're going to be okay. <laughs> Who's truly outnumbered? You live from a victorious position. Sometimes, I want to confess, uh, the, more I get, the more I grow up and get older, the more I realize how... Um, how, uh, a victim is the wrong word, but, but how shaped my views are because of the culture I've grown up in. You know? So, and, and so from my Western view, I often see life like a pie graph. And I often see life like a, I have, a, I have you know, I go to the gym, that's my physical stuff, and then I, and then I, I do some study because mental stuff, and then, I, and then I, and I have work time, and I have family time, and, and so I have a 100%. Are you with me with a graph, a pie graph? And sometimes we do that with, with, with um, look, there's God over here and my Christian life, and then there's, um, you know, my work life. So I might mention church 
on Monday, but maybe I don't because that's my church life. I do that over here. And then, and then I've got Netflix there, and that's what I do from 8 p.m. till 10 p.m. or 10, you know, so, and I have all my 100% done. But I want to pose to you that maybe that's not the right way of thinking about living from a victorious life, and maybe that's not the right way of thinking about your, the, the, the undercurrent spiritual climate that you live in, because you don't live with a spirituality part of a puzzle that doesn't interact with everything else. Does that make sense? In fact, it's not a pie at all, really. It's more like, I had a, I had a picture on this, but I didn't get it organized properly for you. It's more like a layers. It's more like I had a p- picture of the, the earth, and in the middle of the earth, there's the, mant- there's the core, and then there's mantle, and there's layers. I want to post to you this morning that, that often the things that you think as purely surface actually have a spiritual core, have a, have a, ha, are influenced by the climate around. And it's some of the things that you're going through, some of the troubles that you face, you're just facing as if it's uh, just one of those things you go through, but actually you're walking through spiritual climates every day. And under some, underneath some of the moods and the attitudes that you're facing, underneath some of the pressures and the sleepless nights you might feel, underneath some of the stress... There's physical reasons, there's emotional reasons, there's dietary reasons, you might need more water, but underneath it all, there can be spiritual climates that you walk through as well. For the Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood, we fight against powers and principalities. And my question to you this morning is, when was the last time you saw through the lens of the climate around you, the, the, the chariots around you? So you think in that area of your life, you're totally out of control. And maybe you are, and maybe there's 10 different reasons, but there are also spiritual climates involved in that. My prayer for you this morning is that just like Elisha, your eyes might be open to the power around you. The chariots are looking after you. That there are more, you are, you are, there are more with you than against you. Or maybe the pressure to give up in that area of your life it's, it, it, I, my prayer is that you, you, you become aware of the spiritual climate that you walk through when you feel like giving up. Or in that relationship, or in your chronic pain issue, or, or in that uncertain future, or in, that, in, in whatever it is you're going through. I can't capture all of the things that you go through every day of your life, but I want to wake us up this morning to the idea that you walk through spiritual climates as you walk through any other climate. God's going to see you through. There's more, more, you plus God is a majority. He's going to see you through. I say that with all confidence because he does prove himself faithful time and time and time again. But what you need to do is have an understanding of that. And what you need to do is stand firm. Let me tell you how to stand firm. This is how you stand firm. And it only works in Christ because the Scripture at the beginning said in Christ you can stand firm. So if you don't, with all love, I'm not sure of where everybody is. We're all a wonderful community here. But if you're not in Christ, can I, the biggest advice I can ever give anybody's life in this planet is receive Jesus and He will change your life. Receive Jesus and He will transform your life. And this will make sense when you are in Christ. You can stand firm in what I'm about to unpack, but only with the platform of being in Christ. 
And you'll have a chance today to receive him if that's what you know that you need. But, but, but to stand firm in Christ, I need you to turn to Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. This is good. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Say, be strong. That was the weakest, be strong. <laughs> finally, be strong. Say, be strong. be strong. There we go. That's a strong, be strong. In the Lord and His mighty power. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Say, take your stand. Keep it going. I'm going to ask you a few more times. So you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when that day of evil comes, you'll be able to, I'm about to do one of these, repeat after me. So that you may be able to stand your ground. Say, stand your ground. ground. There we go. And after you've done everything, to stand. Say, stand. Stand. You're getting the theme? Stand firm then. Say, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith by which you can extinguish all the flames of arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation which is, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. If you're going to stand firm, you first need to know that you're in Christ. You need to know that there is more with you than there are against you, that you live from a victorious position. But then there's another practical application. You need to put something on, says Paul. You need to put something on. I'm preaching this, and I'm preaching this as much as I can, because too often Christians get passive. Christian, don't get passive. Stand firm. How do you stand firm? Belt of truth, it says. That's around the core of you. The core of you uh, holding everything together must be truth. It must be truth. As a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, we don't do lies. We don't accept lies. We have no time for gossip. We have no time for self-deception. We have no time for that, do we? The thing that holds us all together is the truth. You'll find the truth in the Word of God. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. I love this because the enemy will try to get to your heart. And you need something to guard your heart. And so Paul has selected the breastplate of righteousness as the guard of your vital organs. Why? Because the enemy will accuse you. That's what his job is. He'll try and deceive you with his lies. And you know his principal lie is you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not going to make it through. All these things that I'm trying to tell you today and from the Word of God, you're going to hear that every day. I guarantee you, this isn't prophetic, you've looked in the mirror this week and the thought has hit you that you're not enough. You need the breastplate of righteousness. Because the breastplate of righteousness is your reminder that I am right with God. That's what righteousness means. I'm right with God because of Jesus. If Jesus said it, I can believe it. I'm right with God. I'm in right standing with Him. I'm okay. Devil, you can say I'm not all you want, but the Word of God tells me I'm okay with Him. He's okay with me. You can't get through this thing. 
He talks about the, the sandals, the things on your feet, Reebok pumps. The, the, anyone? Reebok pumps? Are they not cool? Okay. I should have chosen another. What's, an, what's, a, what's the coolest shoe at the moment? Oh, I don't want to get it. I don't want to start a fight. Um, <laughs> you pick your favorite shoe. That on your feet. Uh, the readiness to share the gospel. The, the, the peace from the gospel of peace. Here's what I love, by the way. Here's a by the way for you. Here's something. I get all the others because I watch Game of Thrones. Like, I know what this armor stuff. I know, I know that this is armor and I know I kind of get the belt, you know, because you can get a big belt. I get all this other stuff. Why is he talking about shoes? And why is he talking about shoes as a defensive piece of the armory? And why is that not some other cool thing? Like, you know, the shoes that, of something that kicks something. Like, it's, it's the shoes of readiness to share the gospel. And then I realized this, that the, one of the best defensive things that I can do as a Christian is to share my faith. One of the best things I can do when I'm struggling, when troubles are coming my way, is to testify to the goodness of God to people around me. Have you done it recently? If you're in a place that's a bit tough right now, can I give you this weird encouragement that seems counterintuitive? If you're going through a tough time in that area, I challenge you, tell someone about Jesus tomorrow. I'm telling you what will happen is you'll tell them, you'll, you'll start to share, you'll start to share the goodness of God that's in your life because of it. You'll start to talk about how, how, how transformational Jesus has been for your life, how forgiven, how free you are, and, and, and that's seeds in their life. They'll, maybe they'll receive Jesus, maybe you'll lead them to Jesus right then, but even if you're just planting seeds and they're just taking one step towards Him, you'll leave with a bounce in your step because you've reminded yourself what you're on the planet to do. You've reminded yourself that God is good. You've reminded yourself, and all of a sudden, man, you're stronger on the inside. That's, that's a good piece of armor. A shield of faith. Extinguishing fiery darts. What's the most important tool in battle? Hey, I'm no soldier, but this is what I've heard. That if, you, if you're in a battle and you uh, could choose to either lose your shield or lose your sword, untrained people would say, oh, I'll lose my shield because I'll just fight people off with my sword. They say, no, don't do that. You, you, you'll, you'll die. You've got to you, choose your shield. Your shield, you can do stuff with, you know, keep your shield. Oh, I just lost credibility with my knowing how to fight. The most important tool, most important tool in battle isn't your sword, uh, but the, sh the shield is what they say. Choose faith over sight. It's a shield of faith. I might need a Struan or a Scott to help play. Not your sword, but your shield. Choose faith over sight. Choose unseen what God has said over what you see. Choose God over your circumstances. Choose His Word over you, over your word about yourself. You know what, my friend? That's the nature of warfare. It's the only way to block the arrows that are coming at you, says this. The one that says, you're coming at me with lies and I'm holding up a shield that says, no, 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 I believe God. The helmet of salvation, man, the Bible says the battle's in the mind. So why did Paul select the helmet of salvation to protect your mind? You need to understand that you have a saviour. When the battle's going in the mind and you're like, I don't know what to do, maybe it's this and maybe it's that, be at peace, you have a saviour. He is here and he is coming. And finally, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And here's what I want to finish with powerfully. I want to send you away with knowing what to do to stand firm more than any other thing. 
that sword, you only have one weapon. You have cool shoes, you have a cool breastplate, you have a cool thing, you have all of the things, but you only have one offensive weapon, and that's the sword, which is the Word of God. When troubles come against you, because Jesus said they'll come, what is your offensive thing? It's none other than the Word of God. So can I ask you something? With all love, how often do you wield your weapon? How often do you read it? If you're honest, how often do you chew over the Word of God? How often do you, do you meditate over the Word of God? How often do you marinate in the Word of God? How often would you say that's true for you? I was inspired by something Diane told me while we were walking the West Highland Way and I was in agony with my legs and so I was just trying to get someone to distract me. But I said, um, she was telling me her story and she said she's been through seasons of her life of great troubles and the thing that got her through was getting scriptures, printing them out and hanging them up in pivotal places that she'd see. That's her picking up a sword of faith, a sword of the Spirit, of the Word of God. And that's her wielding it every morning. That's her brushing her teeth and on the mirror, she's just sharpening her sword. She's taking a swipe. This is more true than what my circumstance roar at me about. How often do you do that? I've got scriptures that are mine. I've got scriptures that have cleaved to my DNA through battles in the past. You might see in spiritual places scars on me, but I'm telling you, they're not scars. They're battles. They're, they're, they're battle-hardened areas. I won't second-guess my approach in following Jesus because I've got, a, I've got a sword, and my sword on there, etched in there, says, where else would you go? This is in the Bible. Where else would, would I go? Only you have the word of eternal life. And I've had people laugh at me for my faith. I've had people say, why are you moving countries for that? What, you're going to be embarrassed by that. What you, I've got family members who say these things. But I'm, I'm battle ready for that. When I look in the mirror, I say, what do we do? I'm battle ready. Where else would I go? Only you have the word of eternal life, Jesus. I've got nothing else but you. Stand firm, church. That's how you stand firm. I want to give you one more stand firm as I finish. You'll stand firm when you know you live victorious. You'll stand firm when you identify with this armor that allow you to do so. When you wield your weapon with the Word of God. And you'll stand firm with this one other thing. Philippians 1.27. It says this. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I'll know that you stand firm. And this is it in one spirit, striving together as one for the, for, for the faith of the gospel. It says he, you'll stand firm in one spirit, striving together. And here's the thing. When we gather, we stand firm together. And maybe you've been tempted or maybe you've taken times out of church or maybe you come when you feel it. But can I encourage you this morning? Nothing helps you stand firm than being with like-minded people, standing firm as one, with one spirit, with one voice. You'll find yourself, when you do that, leaving and going through all the troubles, stronger on the inside of you because you've got people on your left and to your right. Stand firm in Christ. It is God, it says in 2 Corinthians, who makes you be able to stand firm in Christ. He's anointed you. He's got a seal of ownership on you and He's put His spirit in your heart as a deposit guaranteeing things to come. Amen. Hey, why don't you close your eyes and let's, 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 
let's embed this in prayer. Father God, we know that you've put on the inside of us the ability and the call to stand firm. We will stand firm in Jesus' name, in all that you've given us, in all that you've put us, made us responsible for, in all of the purposes in our life. We will stand firm in Jesus' name. We put on the armour. We understand that we're living victoriously. We're not scared or fearful of the troubles that are here, that have been here or will come because our God is good. We are already victorious in Jesus. You have overcome the world. Speak to us in all of those areas, God, of which we're facing trouble today. Speak to us. Strengthen us. Encourage us. We're not going anywhere. In Jesus' mighty name.